Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Maximum Octane. As usual, I am so excited about my guest today, and this is every day I feel so blessed, and every time I get to do one of these podcast recordings, I just... So thankful that I just get to do what makes my heart sing and talk to people that I love to talk to. And it's just so refreshing, especially in today's world, which we're going to be talking a lot about. So joining me today for part two is Mary Kelly. And boy, if you think that you're accomplished or you get a lot done when you get done listening to me, go over Mary's accomplishments again. You're going to be like, holy cow, I haven't done anything (laughs) So one of the things I think is most amazing is um, Mary's a graduate of the United States Naval Academy and 20 years active duty intelligence and logistics. And you retired as a commander, Mary. I did. Yes. And you have a master's in history and economics and a Ph.D. in economics. Mm-hmm. I have two masters and two PhDs. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. And I mean, besides the Naval Academy, you've been, you have your MA from the University of Oklahoma. You're, and I have to read this because there's so many of them. So sorry if I sound like I'm reading. I am. <laughs> you have an MA in history from the University of Hawaii. You have a PhD in economics from Greenwich University and an ABD in political science from the University of Hawaii. You're in Mensa. And that's like you say genetic. Your whole family's in Mensa, right? I think. Which yeah, you is, really can't take credit for something you're born with. It's like, you know, having blue eyes. You can't really be. Yeah, like, no, I'd be taking credit. I'd be taking credit for Mensa. I'd, I'd be like, that was all me. You're part of the American Economics Association. National Speakers Association Magazine Editorial Chair, and you were the National Speakers Association CEO Member of the Year in 2015 and 2020 Top 50 Keynote Speaker. And there's a bunch of other awards and things. You were Air Force Academy Instructor of the Year, Outstanding Educator, so many things, and fifth most influential media person in Colorado. Just and there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. So everybody can go on the link. Mary's links will all be in the show notes so that you can click on all of them. And one of the links we definitely want to make sure that you do is productiveleaders.com forward slash podcast, but all of that information will be there. So Mary, you're joining me again today. I'm so excited, Kim. You're one of my favorite people. And every single time we get together, I love that we talk about real issues that real people are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. And I love that we brainstorm on ways to make people's lives just a little bit better. I love that too. And you're so inspirational. And 
you meet a lot of people that are very smart and there's always that joke kind of people that are very intelligent, don't have any common sense and they don't know what's going on. Right. And we've all met those people. Right. I mean, let's face it. They're brilliant. And then you're like, what color is an orange? And they're like, I don't know, you know, (laughs) but, but you're so well-rounded and so plugged into everything that's going on in the world with not only on a political front, but economics and even just, you know, micro and macro things that are happening with leadership and with, like you said, real people and families and you, you see all of it. And I think that's one of the, one of your superpowers is that, you just have that innate ability to to see everything and have empathy and and really tune into what's going on. And there's a lot of people that don't. They're they can only look at one thing at a time or concentrate. And if they watch what's going on in world news, they don't pay attention to what's going on on the home front or vice versa. And you have an ability to be that every person and plug in. What do you, what do you think your secret is for that? Besides, is it having eight, is it like eight siblings? I think you have. (laughs) Um, It could just be my ADD and my ADHD on overdrive. That could be it too. Even my parents would tell you, we have four children and Mary's not our smart one. Um, They would tell you that I am not in my family, the smart one by any means, but I do think I have an advantage. And I realized early on that I wasn't the smart one. So I knew I had to work harder. And I do think that compensates for a lot of other things. So, and you and I both know, for me, a lot of it is just setting up the routines that make you successful. You know, making sure that you're not wasting time on little things. For example, when I travel, I always travel in my travel uniform. My travel uniform is black jeans, black boots, and a black turtleneck. I don't care if it's 110 degrees and I'm going to Phoenix, Arizona. That is what I travel in because that is like a decision I don't then have to make. And I also know, and it's happened, if for some reason, whatever I intended to wear on stage didn't show up, I can always I can always borrow a jacket from somebody and go on stage and be okay. Like it's things like that where you set things up to be successful, even in the what ifs. And so I always know when I travel um, and I have, I know that the people at the airport and they see me a lot, they're like, oh, that poor woman who only has one outfit. (laughs) I mean, I know they must think I live in an RV with like two changes of clothes. It makes it so simple. And I was just reading about something the other day and somebody was saying they don't like uniforms and they don't like whatever, because it takes away their individuality and it makes them robotic and all this stuff. And I thought when your brain is freed up from not, what am I going to wear today? I mean, people spend, I I don't know how much time a day. And I used to be one of them of what am I going to wear today? It's so much time and noise in that you could be spending on other things. Right. And certainly whether I wear a black shirt every day or an orange one or one every different, I'm still me. I still have my personality. It doesn't matter. That doesn't define me because of a uniform or a this is what I wear, right? It doesn't take away from who you are. And I, so I think that's just crazy when, when people think that. So you have a lot to cover with us today. I'm we do. just like hearing to talk about like the forefronts of like the global and economic and the workplace and domestic. And so which one do you want to start with? Let's start really big picture. You know, last time we talked about tiny habits that make you successful, like wearing the uniform every time you fly. So now let's blow it up. Let's go global. Many of our people, and think about it in terms of 
the stresses in the world right now, if you think about the big crises all around you, I like to break it down. And I just mapped this out uh, in terms of global crises, economic crises, because that's what I focus on. Uh, workplace crises, again, that's what I focus on, and then domestic things. So I know I can't really influence the global crises and the domestic crises. So global crises, let's say, um, you know, Russia invades Ukraine. China is thinking about taking over Taiwan. They've been thinking about that, by the way, for 65 years. Iran, Iran's nuclear capability has stepped up. North Korea continues to, um, you know, have crazy people. So big global stresses that impact things that we do care about in our business, such as supply chains, such as rising inflation. You know, we're all concerned domestically and economically about our rising inflation, which at 9.1% right now, it's going to go down a little bit this fall, but it's still going to hover in the 8%. Now, keep in mind, if we calculated economics and statistics and inflation the way we did in the 1980s, it would be at over 18%. And certainly many of the things that our people care about, um, eggs, bacon, meat, dairy, vegetables, tomatoes, avocados have all increased by over 45% in the past 12 months. So we have to kind of look at, is that supply chain? Is that big picture issues? Is that domestic issues? So on the domestic side, and again, these are things that we are aware of, but we can't probably impact. Um, rising crime is the number one domestic issue outside of economics, rising crime in cities. There are people who are not holding meetings in certain cities because their attendees have said those cities are just too dangerous. We're not going there. So rising crime is a huge, huge issue. And as a government, that is their job is to protect people and their stuff. So that is a domestic issue. You know, other domestic issues that kind of cross the line between domestic and global, you know, are immigration policies. The fact that it is harder to get H2B workers and visas for workers when we're trying to bring workers in from other other areas. This is tough. It's a domestic issue. It's a global issue that then seeps into our workplace and economic issues. So when we think about global, economic, workplace, and domestic, if we try to just recognize that there are crises everywhere and that when people come into our shop, that's what they, they're thinking about. They're thinking, I just came from the store and I wasn't able to buy the groceries I wanted, or I wasn't sure I was going to be able to afford what I needed for my kid. And now I think there's something wrong with my car. And I watch the news and it just seems like everything is worse than it's ever been. And they're despondent and they're sad. And we have to recognize that having a car problem on top of everything else going on in the world does not make their day better. And we think, yay, customers, we get to serve them. But from their perspective, it's kind of like going to the doctor because you know you're really sick. They're yeah. oftentimes not happy to be there. Now, I feel very fortunate with the guy who takes care of my vehicle because I like him. I can call him. I go, so my vehicle says there's maintenance required, but I don't believe it. He goes, yeah, you don't have to believe that. I was like, okay. Um, he goes, hang on, let me pull up your stuff. Now nah, you're fine for like another, you know, whatever. So there's that. I feel like it's a partnership, but some people are not proactive about certain maintenance with their car, with their body, with their house. And sometimes that is due to economic groups. So Knowing that and setting the stage for that, I think, allows us then to go into those topics of economic and workplace factors that some of those things we can control. I'm really glad that you're mentioning that because we are going to have it in our industry. And I think most industries, since the doors opened after the pandemic, most businesses, people have been flooding in. They were cooped up. They didn't do things. They and because of supply chain issues, other things, all industries are affected. 
a lot of businesses have been booked out for service, regardless whether it's your AC, plumbing, vehicle, you know, three weeks, some, some even more. My dentist, I get my teeth cleaned every six months. I went for my six month and went leaving the exit appointment because they don't let you out the door. They're now seven or eight months. They, I'm like, no, I want six months. And they said, we don't have anything six months. What? Yeah, the dentist, right? So that was the one thing, no matter what was going on in the entire world, I knew my dentist. That was the one constant in my life over relationships and everything else that my dentist is every six months, right? So we have seen that for a while now because whether it's people shortage, supplies, time, anything being booked out, people just waiting to spend their money. And that is going to change. And we already see a little bit of a trickle, but we are very slow as a people to respond to what's happening. And so people tend to wait till the bottom drops out and then say, okay, now I have to do something. And so this is going to make very, for very real different conversations of regardless of what industry you're in, you need to have this service done, or you need to do whatever with your teeth, your car, your, and, and that people will have to make real choices now besides do I buy these groceries for my kids for whatever? Do I put gas in the car to take them to school or do I have this, this repair or maintenance done? And this is going to shift the conversations. And if we don't have empathy and think about where the people are coming from, it's going to really have bad results. Cause I see already now with some people are like, Oh my gosh, I'll here in a restaurant or anywhere else. Like, Oh, they're just so cheap. They're just so cheap. They only left this tip or they're just so cheap. They only got this and they split a meal. And I'm thinking to myself, when I'm hearing this, they might not be being cheap. They really might not have the money. Mm-hmm. So how do our people make that shift of assuming somebody is being a tightwad to really, this might be all they have. This might be the only time they get to eat out or, do whatever. And the only way they could do that is splitting a plate or not getting all the maintenance done on the vehicle because they just don't have the money. Right. So the inflation, as we know, is high and it's higher than it's been in 40 years. That is going to continue. And from our perspective, that means we also we're stuck. We have to pay our, our people more so that they are able to buy groceries and keep up with things. Otherwise, we will lose them. But also we've been experiencing over the last two years this war for talent. And the issue is many business leaders and owners felt, believed, thought, not always true, that I can't hold my people accountable because what if I lose them? To that, I say, your top performers are desperately waiting for you to fire those people or hold them accountable because they're having to pick up the slack and they're really frustrated with you not doing your job, boss lady, boss man. Um, They're really frustrated with that. The second part of that is, you are paying some people. Um, I, I work with, uh, I get to consult, as you know, with, with companies. And one organization called me a couple months ago and they said, we're so worried because two of our people, you know, our, our you know, people who fix things just left. Now, because I've been working with them for a while, I said, I'm going to throw something out and you're not probably going to like it. I said, you are going to miss them less than you think you are. And they're like, no, I mean, they've been, I said, you're going to miss them less than you think you are in two weeks. You're going to wonder why you bothered to pay them for the past year. And they said, well, you know, they did really good work. And they're defending the fact that they didn't fire them. And I, I completely understand that because our brains want to mitigate against negative circumstances. And sure enough, about a month later, they're like, everybody else picked up the slack and we kind of don't miss them. 
And they were because they had created problems. They were the people who complained all the time about just things, you know, oh, I didn't like how so-and-so left the workstation. I didn't like how they left that bay. And I didn't like this. And I didn't like that. And, you know, we had, they would have a 20 minute conversation because the customer pointed out something on a tire that they disagreed with. I'm like, they were wasting a lot of time and your top performers and other folks, your hard workers see that. And they were just waiting for it to happen. So partly as business leaders, we got a little passive. And partly we were passive because we did have this explosive growth over 10 years and we could charge anything we wanted because let's face it, when somebody has a car emergency and it's an emergency, it's like having a dental emergency. You don't care what it costs. You just want it fixed. You want the pain to stop. Some people have taken advantage of that. And I'm not saying anybody's done anything bad, but we've got, it's made us a little complacent and a little bit lazy and not just in our industry. I've seen it across all kinds of industries where people just got complacent, like your dentist. They're like, we know you're going to come back here. We know you're not going to change dentist, so we don't have to fit you into our six-month schedule. And you're like, but you kind of do. And they're like, no, we kind of don't have to. You're like, no, you really do. So I think we've got to look at, at that concept of service. And when we say service, it's how we are using our workplace to serve as our legacy, which it is, but also how we want to be, how we want to be treated, but how we want other people to think about how we treat people. And I think that means going back to some of the basics when we first started out, which is making sure we've got a solid marketing plan, that our people are treating our customers like we want to be treated. More importantly, you don't have to treat me nicely. I'm fine. But when my mama comes in, I need you to treat my mama really well because she can't hear very well and she can't see very well and she's not really sure what you're doing. And I need to be able to trust you when you say, this is what needs to happen now. This is what can be deferred because our customers are having to make big decisions. So our inflation rate, 9.1% as of this recording right now, is probably going to drop into the eights. But keep in mind, in the United Kingdom right now, 17%. Mexico, they are parallel with us at 8 and 9%. Turkey, 85% inflation. 85%. So the rest of the world is experiencing inflation too. It's not just us. And that means some workers who were not available to us before from other countries are looking to get to the U.S. And sometimes we haven't been paying attention to those people as viable workplace options. We know that there are certain parts of the process have been, gotten a little bit more difficult, um, especially in the hospitality industry, where we rely on, you know, seasonal workers, uh, that it's gotten a little bit more difficult. And then we know that supply chain problems are still going to continue. Keep in mind that when this whole thing started before COVID, the cost of a 40-foot container was about $2,000 to ship. Okay, well, now... Well, during the height of COVID, it got up to about $29,000 for a 40-foot container. Now it's back on an average of $7,000, but the time lag is longer. So we're still having supply chain problems. So that's economic issues. So jobs and wages, we know wages have gone up by 5.6% over a year ago. We know that the housing boom, and I'm just telling you this is, um, this is close to the end of 2022 and moving into 2023, that housing prices will decrease for two reasons. First, the panic buying and the people who had cash to buy houses and migrate quickly, that has gone away. Those people have already bought houses. They've already moved to Florida or Texas, wherever they moved, and they're done. They all moved to my neighborhood. Did they? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, they, they all moved and they paid cash and they drove the prices up in your neighborhood for housing, which means your friends can't move in. But that's going to settle down. And then interest rates are going to continue to go up. There's going to be another rate increase here in the fall. Um, you can count on it. You can count on it, which means that if you were planning on borrowing money now, that's just harder. So hopefully you took the advice I gave you a year and a half ago and you borrowed money back then um, so that you would have this cash reserves on hand when you need it. So when you need a new piece of equipment or you need to buy a new shop or you need to invest in something else, you had that money there. But that's not going away anytime soon. Our interest rates are going to be high for the next five years. So if wow. you have to borrow money in the next five years, um, yeah, it's not going to get better. I'm just saying it's not going to get better. And we need to be wildly aware of that, that cash will continue to be king. Now let's talk about cash for a second. All right. Taxes. When taxes go up, people find clever ways to not pay taxes. Okay, that is that is totally natural. Um, for the person who cuts my hair a couple of years ago, they said, "Do you mind paying us in cash?" And I said, "Not a problem. I can't de- technically I can't deduct it off my taxes, so there's no reason for a record." By the way, if you're a lawyer listening to this, this is not the legal thing to do. <laughs> but it's not. But technically, it's up to them to report that income. Right. right. That's not your that's responsibility. Not my responsibility. Do I suspect that maybe they're just pocketing the cash? Maybe. Now we're going to see more of this. This is called the underground economy. The underground economy is the reason why drug pushers and your kid who babysits for neighbors are exactly the same. They're not paying taxes on the income they make. They're exactly the same. Now, there's going to be temptations to do this as well in your industry. Where now some things, and it's it's a very blurry line. What's a favor, and what is underground economy? So there's going to be some people who are going to look at that line and wonder how close they can get to it, and some people are going to step over that line. So if you're a hairdresser um, and there's nothing on the books, pretty easy. If there's Gear involved and other people involved, it's a whole lot harder. Um, I always think that running an ethical business is easier because it's less to keep track of. And I also know, like Brandy Clark sings, you know, I don't look at an orange and I hate stripes. So I'm just, I'm not going to go, I, I'm not going to do well in jail. I'm just saying, don't look at an orange and I hate stripes. I, what shocks me sometimes with that underground economy in any small business or even big businesses regardless of when industry you're in, a lot of leaders hang their hat on or about honesty and integrity and doing the right thing. And then they're like, oh, just take cash for that. And we're not going to report it. So as a leader, it's very, (laughs) it's tempting, it's confusing though, but it's how confusing to your internal customers to have your leader say, we care about honesty, integrity. We do the right thing for the right reasons. And then, but not this time, take cash because we're not going to pay taxes on it. And not that time, tell the customer the part was late or the dental mold broke or whatever um, and not. And that's such a contradiction as a leader to say something and then behave in a manner. Right. I'm sorry. That was my dog agreeing with you. Oh, Uh, that's okay. We love dogs. Um, So come here. Come here. Say hi to Kim. Yep. So um, I do in workplace happiness and this is my workplace happiness. So um, love it. and the other one is by the door guarding me against all possible squirrels and intruders. 
But I have seen, so this underground economy, we know it exists. A lot of people confuse that term with the black market. The black market, no. The black market is selling something for above the price ceiling, like ticket scalping. Let's say the the face value is $40, you're selling it for $60. That's the black market. I just Um, saw somebody, a letter from Chevy, uh, uh, I won't say the dealership's name, but they were in the letter, the confirmation from the deposit that they they wrote in the contract that they were charging $90,000 above MSRP for a Z06 Corvette. 90,000. Right. How is that a list price if you can't get it for a list price? That makes no sense. $90,000 over. That See, that makes no sense. And so the people, what's interesting is that the people with what I call stupid money, people who will write that check and not pay attention to it, they're not going to be impacted by that. But that's not most of your clients. That's not most of your customers. Most of your customers, if they don't have a budget, they should. And if you don't have a budget, by the way, it's on my website. You can go get it. It's a profit loss statement. I've got individual budgets there for households, businesses, all the things. Um, Easy downloads, just fill in the numbers. It does the math for you. People need budgets. And more now, I am getting called, Kim, to do how do we help our people with their own financial planning? And this is a key issue. And you know, um, as an economist, I wrote that the, the personal finance bestseller that did pretty well. And it's used at a couple of universities and all that. It's called Money Smart. And in that, right now, our employers have to help their people through tough, tough economic times. And that means, okay, we're paying you what we should, but we also need to help you budget because if inflation is at 9% and your wages only increased by 5% from last year, which is still a very good increase, that still means, keep in mind, you're paying taxes on those wages. So now your take home is maybe only 2 or 3% more. But everything in the stores that you care about is at least 9% more, if not, you know, food and fuel and and other things like transportation, which is in the 40% more. So your dollars have to go more. So we have to be smarter with our people and helping them with their budget. But this also means we have to be helping our customers map out where they're going to spend their dollars with us. And that's where we might say, I mean, like with my guy, and I, I've told you about this, I love my guy. Um, I'm like, okay, where, what do I need to spend and when? And, you know, the, the basic things that we all, that we, as you're, because, you know, I'm dumb. I get in, I turn the key, the thing runs, I'm super happy. Um, but you need to tell me, hey, um, this can be deferred, this really can't. Um, this is a dangerous situation, this is going to be okay. Um, and I need you to be wildly honest and I need to trust you. Because when times are tough, I'm going to scrimp and I'm going to scrimp on the things that I don't have to have. You know what I really have to have? I have to, well, you know me, I need my coffee and I need wine and I need kibble for my dogs. Everything after that is really just a bonus, right? Well, I'm going to need heat in the winter. And we know that costs for electricity and uh, fuel gas are going to go up for the winter. And we know that gas prices have been coming down, which is great, but they came down because we were prepared for this glut of people who were going to travel this summer. And then it wasn't just gas prices. It was the fact that hotel rooms have gone up by 45%. That, um, and, I, you know, I stay in a lot of hotels and they've tacked on all these extra fees. There's It's not just the resort fee that we were used to. Now it's a cleaning fee. Well, yeah, I'm kind of expecting the room to be clean. <laughs> And, and then yes, is, please. Yeah, yes, please. Uh, wait, that was optional. Wait, I could have gone into the room that wasn't cleaned. Ew. Um, but then there's a cleaning fee, and then there's um, they're adding on all of these extra little fees. The states, the counties, the localities, and then sometimes they're just adding in things. Now there's a service fee. Wait, what? And then I'm thinking, what kind of service are other people getting? Because I do not remember getting any service here. 
So we have to be really mindful of the fact that everything has gotten more expensive. So we have to be partners with our clients and our employees in how they're for employees, how they're budgeting, how they're spending, um, not to be, not to be, you know, like paternalistic and, and be like, well, you should spend the way I spend because I'm so smart, but really helping them make good decisions, helping them understand their paycheck. And the reason that's important is many people think that what they see in their paycheck is what they actually get paid. Mm-mm-mm. Like they don't understand the breakdown of self-employment taxes and Medicare and social security and all of that. So I really recommend once a year, regardless of the size shop you have, sit down with each of your people and say, this is what it costs us for you. This is what all of these things are because most people do not know. I just did this review with go figure a group of physicians who did not realize all of the things that went into that paycheck that they're getting paid. So you would think they would know. We cannot assume that we cannot assume people understand finances or what you pay. So I really encourage you to have a meeting that's not tied to a performance evaluation. That's not an end of the year. That's not tied to a bonus where you just go, Hey, um, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about big crisis issues, and one of those is economics. And I just want to let you know, from our perspective, you know, we know inflation is higher, and we just I want to show you what it costs us. Like this is this is my payroll, what it looks like for you. And people are almost always surprised. And then if they are thinking, and you know, sometimes I work in my Colorado office, and so when I say the grass is greener, sometimes in Colorado it means something very different. But when people start- <laughs> But when people start to think about the grass being greener somewhere else and they think about, they say, well, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this job making this amount of money to go over there making this amount of money. And then when they get that first paycheck, it's actually less. And they're always surprised by that. I'm like, well, that's because they did not know what goes into it. That's one very solid thing you can do with your employees. And that is sit down. The other thing is, and I'm, I'm seeing really good traction with this for some, you know, a lot of us do end of the year bonuses. Um, I hate those, but that's for another day. It, it Well, but here's, so I think some of it is nice, you know, for holidays and all that, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like when somebody brings you flowers, if somebody brings you a humongous bouquet of flowers, is that better than every month somebody bringing you a smaller bouquet of flowers? So with my dog, if I give my dog a steak and like toss a steak at their face, gulp and it's gone. However, if I chop that steak up into 50 different little pieces, they think it's 50 different treats. So we kind of have to think about that with our people. And one of my firms, you know, they just said, it just seems like people are sad. I'm like, yep. And I think you should brighten their day and go get a whole bunch of gift cards, you know, like $100, $200, so that they don't have to like worry about paying taxes on it because you've already done that. And pass them out on Friday and say, have a good weekend. Thinking about you, know that inflation's higher. And all of a sudden people go, oh my gosh, you thought about me, you did something about it. Two very different things. And that second one almost always doesn't happen. And the third thing is, is you understand that my kids are going back to school and maybe having a rough go. And it just makes a difference. It just shows that you thought about them. And then from your customer's perspective, also on the economic side, be that partner who maps out, hey, um, you know, how much longer do you want to keep this vehicle? And if you do want to keep this vehicle or this truck or this semi or whatever you're servicing, If I were you, this is kind of what I would think about. And here's the top of the list, the stuff that really has to happen. This is the stuff that can be deferred. Here's what I would think about and be and show them this, because if we trust you, we're just going to go, okay. And if we have the disposable income right away, we can go, okay, so this is what you told me I have to do right now. Um, I have time to get this done. Let's go ahead and get this, 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 and this done. Like they're going to work with you when you work with them. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. And if you do a good job with keeping up on what's going on and letting your customers know, they can budget throughout the year when you when you tell them this is what has to be done now, this is what's coming up on the next visit, this is, and they can incorporate it in there. That's one of the biggest pushbacks I get when I travel and people say, what do you do? And I tell them, and then it's a whole thing. Oh, you're a girl in automotive and blah, blah. And then we get past all of that. And then <laughs> they're like, what? There's a coaching company for cars and get past all of that. But they say, I have a question. And they always have two. They followed up with a second one. But the first one is, why doesn't you know my shopper, wherever I go, tell me what's coming up next so I can budget it? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times I see it in... I hear it more tax time because they get a refund and they say to me, Kim, if 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 they would have said next time you come in, this $500 thing will be due for maintenance, I wouldn't have spent my entire tax return. I would have put $500 aside because mm-hmm. I knew this was coming up. And so we don't do a good enough job of saying not only this is what happening now, here's what you need to think about in six months or or down the road. And then the second thing they always say is, why do they tell me bring my car at eight or nine, whatever? And then nobody works on it or looks at it until whatever time of day, because in most industries and places, you make an appointment for time, you go in and you're serviced or have something happen at that time. And so it's really interesting that you brought that up because that's huge. And even before this was happening of, just let me know. Let 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 me make that decision of how can I budget my money and and give me some control. And I think that's a bigger piece of it that we forget is when we don't tell people about what's coming up or we're not clear with them what they need, we're we're making a decision for them. Right. Right. And and we shouldn't be. There people can make their own decision. We need to educate them and allow them to have the right information to make an informed decision, not decide for them and say, oh, I didn't tell them because it wasn't that bad or other things. And it makes me crazy because. Well, and I and you're right. And part of that too is we've in the past couple of years, we've gotten very transactional because we could. It was they bring in a vehicle, we fix it, they leave. That was enough. Moving forward, that's not enough. We've got to accelerate into the curves of this business. And we've got to be the ones who help people, both employees and customers, plan their future and be successful. And that's that to me is a very different mindset. It goes from being, oh, here you are. We're going to give you this. You're going to give us money and we're done. That's very transactional. People want relational trust more than just transactions. A transaction is something you get from a vending machine. When you go to think about the people, your dentist, as you mentioned, the person who takes care of my car, um, those, it is a relational issue. I know the guy who's taking care of my car is thinking about retiring next year and it's already stressing me out. Um, <laughs> it is. Because no, I, I completely. Oh, no, it's stressing me out. This is, I mean, this is an issue. Cause then I'm like, ah, oh. and there's other people there and they're fine. And I like them. And I mean, nobody's ever done anything bad. Nobody's ever tried to do anything terrible. I'm very fortunate, but, but it's a relational issue. I call him. He knows my name. He knows my dogs. He knows my vehicle. Now what's interesting is in the system, when I call up, I go, Hey, I want to bring my vehicle. And they're like, well, it shows we have two vehicles in the same year and the same vehicle. I go, well, one of those is wrong. And they're like, well, can you give us your VIN number? No, I'm driving down the car, um, down the highway. No, I don't happen to know my VIN number. And they're like, well, we've got two different vehicles listed for you. Which one is it? I'm like, I don't know. And it's really not my problem. Like, don't make your poor bookkeeping my problem. 
Um, that's not my issue. And I'm, I'm not being paid to unscrew that for you. So you need to fix that. You know, there, there's certain little things that will put people off and we need to not do that. Now, keep in mind, the person who's asking me those questions is not the person who is my service guy and is not the person who's working on my car. It is the person who's looking at the computer. Now, that computer data input thing, that wasn't my issue either. And it should never be my issue. So we need to make sure that our issues are not our customer issues. So think about when you go let's just say to a store that maybe ends in the word marked and there's one cashier working and everybody else is expected to use the self-service things. Now we all know that the self-service thing is going to be slower. It's going to be a pain in the neck. And if you've only got a couple of things, it's okay. But if you've got, you're balancing a kid on a hip and another one in a stroller, self-service is a terrible, terrible thing. Or if you're my mom, um, it is just not going to work. So we have to think about it from their perspective. Um, what would it be like if I was that person? So when you think, when you think I feel good, I'm not impaired in any way. I'm not in a walker. I don't have a baby on my hip. Um, yeah. Self-service is piece of cake. That's not everybody. So I think we need to look at the, but that's not everybody people. I, I hope that everyone in the world hears this and that last statement, because there's a million scenarios rolling through my head and probably 20, I can even just talk about from the last week of, things that I've seen and watched. And one of the big things with everyone, every industry, every interaction I have is we're, well, we're shorthanded. And that seems to be the kitchen sink of too bad for you. Too bad. This isn't ready. Too bad. Your food's not right. Too bad. You had poor service or you got a dirty spoon or whatever it is, because we're shorthanded. We can't find people. And this seems to be now what a lot of businesses are hanging their hat on and it's just excuses everything. And it's crazy. It's crazy. When COVID hit, it was, well, we can't, we can't uh, do our job well because of COVID. And now it's, we can't do our job well because we've got such poor managers and leaders that people quit in droves and we can't keep them because we're terrible managers and leaders. And somehow that's now your problem. Hmm. The other issue there is, hang on. So you're in business, but you're, but you've got it posted. We're really shorthanded. So what you're saying is you're telling me right away you're bad at business. Don't do that. Don't do that. And don't make excuses for things that you can control. Like if there's a hurricane that came through and all of a sudden, you know, you have no power. And so the shop is closed that day. Okay. I'm going to totally understand that. But if you go, well, we can't keep people Mm-mm, not buying it. Also, the jobs report is coming out this week. And it's just might be interesting for you all to know that on the economic side, there are fewer new jobs, which means that unemployment number of 3.6%, which we've had for quite a long time, and it's hovered right below 4%. And 4% is really our natural rate of unemployment. That is about ready to go up. There are going to be more people who are going to be looking for jobs and they will come work for you. So keep that in mind. Have a robust referral program in place for your people. I love referral programs. And not just a referral program, okay, um, I got somebody to apply, I get a referral. Mm -mm. No, if somebody shows up and if they apply and if we interview them and if we decide they're right fit and if they work well for 90 days, then you get the referral bonus. Um, And that kind of peer accountability is really helpful. Uh, Accountability is something that a lot of people, it's exactly what we're talking about. We just throw up our hands. We don't care. We can't do it. All the reasons, all the excuses. No, let's get back to accountability. Let's get back to excellence in what we do. Let's get back to pride. Somebody, I had a a younger person very recently say, well, you know, I don't work very hard, but nobody seems to care. So how does it make you feel about yourself? And she said, I'm not great, I guess. 
I'm like, you realize that you're showing up, you're showing up every day, like, you know, half fill in the blank working. And what are you doing? Like that, you're not advancing yourself. You're not stimulating your brain. You're not feeling good about the work you do. What are you doing? And she's like, well, but nobody else seems to care. I said, you should care. You should have enough self-respect. She goes, nah, I guess I don't. Wow. <laughs> That's what I said too. And she comes from a really good family, really good parents. And they were really frustrated because they sat there throughout this conversation. And I went, wow. And she's not a kid. Like she's in her thirties. Um, but she has decided that she just doesn't have to work that hard. And nobody seems to care. This is leadership and management. Hold people accountable. Help people do a great job. Instill that pride. Get back to the things that matter. Give people a purpose for why they get to show up and do what they do. All those things. This is what we need right now. And this is what a lot of organizations are not doing. You couldn't have said it better. We have to, I don't think that leaders understand the role that they have. And just because you own a business does not give you a, a platinum card to say, I am a leader, that there's right. a huge difference between business ownership and a true leader in leadership. And somehow in all of everything that's been going on, it's accelerated to have a bigger gap between the two. And it's not your right because you own the building and it's not your right because you sign a paycheck to be called a leader. That's something you have to earn and you have to put work into it. And it's always interesting to me to see business owners that think they're leaders that tell their internal customers they have to go to classes and they have to learn and they have to improve and they have to whatever. And it's like, well, what are you doing to train as yourself as a leader? And are you role playing? Are you practicing things? Are you reading books? And no, I own the business. That's not a leader. That's not a leader. For sure. You know, leadership, I think, is at every level. Everybody has a responsibility. And again, this is where a lot of people felt, believed, thought that they could abdicate that responsibility. Oh, I'm not the boss. I'm not the manager. So I don't have to fill in the blank. And somehow we have to change that perception. A lot of people, you know, I love hairdressers as an example. Um, I've got a really good friend and she wanted to be a hairdresser. She's very talented. And all of a sudden she realized that if she wasn't working for somebody else, she was working for herself. And that was harder. And she had no idea what went into running the business until she started out on her own. And she struggled. Um, and she, and the problem was she struggled because she was like, well, maybe I should just go back and work for my old boss again. And maybe I should just, because she was in this place of indecision. And partly when it's all on you, you work harder when you are it. But that means you're the leader of that organization, whether you wanted to be or not. And now she employs three other, they happen to be female, three other ladies. And she's like, and they're looking to me to be a leader. I'm like, yeah. She goes, but they're all twice as old as I am. I go, doesn't matter. You own the company. Therefore, you are the leader. She's like, but I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, that's when you ask for input and you make a good decision. And if you're wrong, you change the decision later, but you step up. She's like, well, but what if I'm wrong? I go, oh, you're going to be wrong. There's going to be times you're going to make bad <laughs> and that's going to be okay. And if you want to call me ahead of time and talk it through, I'm going to do my very best to make sure you don't make bad decisions. That's what I get to do. But you're going to make some decisions that are just plain terrible. That's okay. It's all part of it. And it's part of being a leader. But what great leaders do when they make a mistake is they say, you know what? I made a mistake. This was not my best idea. I'm sorry. And we're going to go in a different direction because you know what? I made a mistake. I was wrong. And you have the courage and the ability to move on. 
And I think we have to be able to do that as leaders because a lot of people, a lot of my business owners are thrown into that leadership role and they didn't mean to get there. They, they never wanted necessarily to be that person. They just wanted to fix stuff. And now they got really successful and now it's a whole bigger job. It is. And that, that own it, just own it. If you make a mistake, whatever level you're on, own it. I, people have so much more respect when you just say, with the information that I have in front of me now, I realized that wasn't the best decision or the best plan of action. And I see people invest so much time in trying to back up a decision that they know is not correct instead of just owning it and saying, we have to go in a different direction. And it's crazy. I cannot believe how much time flew by already. And there's so much I want to ask you about some of the other uh, topics. So will you come back for part three? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if if I just want to also point out one thing, ATI has great resources. I mean, amazing resources. And I was working with a group very recently and I said, well, you're ATI members. And they said, yeah. I said, have you gone in and used this stuff? And they're like, oh, no, we haven't. I'm like, um, you can you can bring me in and all that, but I really think you've got the resources you need with ATI right now, I, I really encourage you to go back and look at those materials. Look at the look at the vault of resources ATI provides for you. And, and then if you still want some tweaks, then call me. But I really think you've got a lot of resources at your disposal that you maybe need to revisit. And it might be a very cost-effective way for you to get where you're going. So shameless plug for ATI. Well, thank you. We, we always love uh, shameless plugs. And uh, obviously, I'm pretty passionate about ATI both as when I had my shop and now as being part of client fulfillment. So closing, closing words for our, for our listeners and viewers. Now that this stuff's going on YouTube, can you believe Mary? I just found out that more people listen to podcasts on YouTube than they do on the podcast players. I love that because everybody has, everybody knows how to get to YouTube. Sometimes for podcasts, people go, well, I don't know where to go to get it and this, that, whatever. And there's all these segmented silo-y things, um, but everybody understands YouTube. So I, I am thrilled that we are getting more hits on YouTube. And I love that. Um, I always feel when people listen to a podcast or watch a podcast on YouTube, I always feel like I should have done more with the makeup and the hair. You look beautiful. Aw, thank you. So kind. So What's something you want our, our listeners, viewers to go forth and do today? More leadership, more often, with more specifics, with more people and more communication. People need more of you more often. You are the magical fairy dust. You are the things that make everything better. So step it up. Don't be afraid to step into that leadership role and make your business even better. Fantastic. Again, thank you so much, Mary Kelly. And one day when I grow up, I'm going to try to be as awesome as you. And all of the links will be below. And especially pay attention to productiveleaders.com forward slash podcast. That's going to have all the latest stuff that's going on. And I appreciate you and, and all of your wisdom and for you to take the time to spend with me. And I can't wait for part three. Yeah, so excited about part three. Can't wait. <laughs> Always fun, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great week. Stay safe, make good choices, and stay inspired. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution.
If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.